Hey there everyone welcome aboard to the One Touch Talks this is your host Mayuresh Matkar and today we're going to cover some big cup competition finals which were taking place in the last 5 or 6 days we will be taking a look at the FA Cup final between United and City we will also be talking about the DFB Pokal final and the Taça de Portugal final in brief we will be taking a look at what's going to happen at Real Madrid in the future with the announcement made of Karim Benzema the club captain leaving Real Madrid after 14 glorious years but we will start today at the Puskas Arena in Budapest where which saw the Europa League final between Jose Mourinho's Roma and Sevilla so the narrative was like Jose Mourinho a man who's never lost a European final was taking on a Sevilla side who as a collective had never lost a Europa League final in the Europa League final so this was a very very great storyline as to who blinks first and in the end sevilla won the game they are now the i mean they are what real madrid are in the champions league aren't they and you know credit to them and credit to mendilibar as well as he's done a fantastic job on this team he's had such a good time as a sevilla manager when he came on after jorge sampaoli's dreadful time at sevilla it was all done for them but he's steadied the ship he's got them back to the champions league which is commendable really commendable and now they can look forward to spending pretty well with monchi i mean monchi really did did piss me off when he was not backing julian lopetegui last season so uh, in the last summer transfer window but anyways we we'll talk about this game and i think roma they had a game plan for it and i think um jose mourinho had a very very stout game plan for it they played really well i think roma were very very good in the first 35 minutes where they were pressing on a moderate level but they were you could see that intensity in their game i think by the way chris smalling had the was the best player on the pitch by far he he really was the man of the match in this game not not yasin bono um uh, but yeah fantastic um uh, game from Chris Smalling but as i talk about Roma they, they played extremely well that back five was very good functional back five with Spinazzola on the left and um Zeki Celic on the right they had really good movements around in the team they they were playing pretty well the midfield was working very well with Matić and Cristante two really robust midfielders and then you've got Pellegrini who's always coming back and defending and you know preventing any overloads from that right-hand side of uh, Sevilla's attack where there were very re- overloads because Ocampos was there Jesus Navas was always trying to overlap so there were a lot of the, the plays were mostly developing from that side of the pitch but then they got they get the goal I think a bit a bit fortunate there as well with the pass from Roger Ibanez but uh, the ball or oh, I think it was Mancini I don't know who it was but um one of those two for sure and the ball goes down to Paolo Dybala who was a suspect at starting because you know he was coming after an injury but he did really well for the 60 or 70 minutes that he played uh what a good finish that was as well uh past Yasin Bono and Roma led 1-0 and I thought that was that you know this game could be over now because Ro- Ro- Roma did a fabulous job against uh, against Bayer Leverkusen and you know I thought the same blueprint will be applied here. Um I think again the first half they had some big, they had some big chances with Spinazzola hitting straight to Yasin Bono. I think that was a big chance at 0-0. But after that first half uh, I think um Mendilibar had to make some changes. He had to make some tactical adjustments to his game and he did. 
with uh, by hooking off Brian Hill and Oliver Torres, who both started this game. He brought in guys like Eric Lamella, and I think he brought in Suso. Lamella was majorly playing from that uh, left-hand side. Um, Suso was trying to make trying to make central overloads with Rakitic sometimes, and Fernando was supposed to stay. Uh, deep, and then you had on the right hand side with uh, Jesus Navas constantly pinning crosses from there, with Ocampos playing in that right side half space, trying to combine in with uh, uh, Yusuf El Nizeri, trying to get some physical presence inside the 18 yard box. So that was the game plan, and it worked. The substitutions, Eric, Eric Lamella had a very good game, and so did uh, Suso, who, by the way, scored an amazing goal against Juventus as well in the, in the, in the semi finals. Um, they try to do their best job and then the goal comes. It's a very unfortunate own goal, but it did come. I think um, Roma had chances to win this game as well with Belotti. There was a goal mouth scramble as well there. I don't know how the hell did Tammy Abraham manage to not score. Um, even Sevilla had chances. There were some good tactic. There was some good uh, defensive work there by Roma. I think there was also a penalty shot which was rightly ruled out for a dive. I don't know why uh, Lucas Ocampos wasn't booked. I think Jose Marino had all the right in the world to actually protest for a booking for uh, Lucas Ocampos, but it wasn't to be for him. But I think Sevilla, on the balance of the game, played the better football. But I think Roma had a good plan. They just conceded a very unlucky goal, and I mean, could have they, they could have been you know um, they could have won the game anyways with. Uh, that big chance for uh, the big chance for Belotti, which was very well worked by Lorenzo Pellegrini. But I think um, you have to give credit right there to Sevilla. They took it to penalties uh, in the end, Roma, and I never thought that Rui Patricio was going to save a penalty. I mean, I've been watching him since a long time now, since his sporting days, since he was uh, the hero at the, at the at the Euros final in 2016. But you know, Rui Patricio has never been good on penalties. He's been a very good goalkeeper for Wolves. He's been a good servant for Sporting in the past. And also for Portugal, he's had 100 caps to his name as well. But he's not good at penalties. And that is that, and that is given. I mean, you can't really blame a goalkeeper or someone if he loses a, or if he misses a penalty. But it is what it is. Rui Patricio isn't just, it just isn't good enough on penalties. So that's the bottom line. And in the end, it was there to be seen. Rui Patricio did make a save of, uh, I think it was Gonzalo Montiel in the end, but uh, I think it's, it's, it's a bit too much for him to ask to actually go man-to-man against Yasin Bono, unless Yasin Bono has a particularly bad night on the penalty shootouts. I thought the way Roma played, I think they had a very specific game plan. I think to rile up the referee, to rile up Sevilla was probably in their minds as well and it, it is very important I mean people are actually asking that it is it is not good football it is against the uh, spirit of the game and I think you know that's one of the uh, most bizarre arguments that you can make because the definition of the spirit of the game varies from place to place you might have your own definition of what you think uh, is according to the spirit of the game but some people might not think it that's the reason why people in England especially, really hate. It is right now concentrated in England because mostly it is directed towards Anthony Taylor. So people in England, they don't really appreciate 
uh, Diego Simeone and his tactics and when it is in the Banda Metropolitano the entire stadium gets against you and it, they don't appreciate the things that Jose Mourinho does but it's very important in a one-off game in a cup tie you actually have to intimidate your opposition you have to actually get in the heads of your opposition so that they can do something very bizarre their own themselves and they just you know completely bottle it out and that's a good tactic as well but you know people might not understand it and as i said the definition of 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 a fair game of you know the spirit of the game varies from place to place so it is it is what it is i think Mourinho was right in doing what he wanted to do it's a one off final you do what you have got in your power to actually win a game that's very um that's that's completely fine by me. You want to go and rile a referee, go forward and do the same. I, I've got no answer. Unless there's any violence involved in it, I've, I've got no problem with it. Trying to get in the heads of the opposition, it's, it's completely natural, it's completely fine. Um, but then, I think um, you have to give credit to Jose Mourinho for doing what he did. I think it's a massive achievement for this Roma side with this, all these injuries to come to the Europa League final. They will again play the Europa League uh, after... This weekend's result as uh, Roma beat Spezia after the late penalty for Paolo Dybala um, secured a Europa League spot for Roma and Juventus have been dropped down to the Conference League where two weeks ago I was shouting, I was pleading for Max Allegri to do something against Empoli and he's bottled it from a Champions League place in spite of the 10 points deduction they could have had a Champions League place. Now they're going to the Conference League. I mean, it's, it is what it is. But now it is... Um, let, let's just not talk about Allegri, but yeah, Roma are going to be in the um, uh, in the um, in, in the Europa League. They will have uh, another chance to get into the Champions League with or without Jose Mourinho. It's, it is still to be uh, decided. Uh, Jose thinks that he deserves more, and I think he, that he deserves more because he's done very good. Thiago Pinto is he going to give him the war chest to actually go out in the in the market and do what he can do? I think the mercato is still not really there for him. To, to to be to be explored I think uh, the way it's going to be it's going to be pictured out it's 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 really have it really has to be within Jose Mourinho's rules I think the fans love him the players are ready to fight for him that's that's good you can see that the, he has an influence on everyone who's around them by the way uh, just a um, uh, just just a word on the substitutions of Jose Mourinho and Roma I think they were atrocious you have to say I think the idea was right to substitute the likes of Belotti the likes of um, um, who was it? Vinaldum. But they looked tired as as Tammy Abraham moved out and all those other guys moved out. They looked tired as well to me. So I think the substitution, the idea of the substitutions were right, but the substitutions made no impact as compared to that of uh, Sevilla and Jose Luis Mendelibar, who the substitutions made so much impact. You look at Gonzalo Montiel, look at the guys uh, who came before him, Suso, Eric Lamella, all these guys made an impact to the game. And I think that's important. When you have a cup game, you need to have players who can make impact off the bench. That's what we saw with Real Madrid last season, with the likes of Rodrigo coming on, with the likes of Camavinga. They came on, made an impact, made something happen in the game. And that's what you need to win cup ties. You need some good players off the bench to come in and... Um, you, you, you need to have uh, good, actually good assistance of the bench so you can win a cup tie that, that's, 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 that's given you look at the likes of Japan in the, um, in, in the World Cup the way in, you know, the, uh, the, the manager of Japan I don't remember his name but he used those substitutions like Ritsudoan like uh, all these other guys he, he used them very he used them very rightly and 
he got the results for for the national team and that's that's what it is ultimately you need to have good impact off the bench but then again uh you have to say you know Sevilla have been very very good lately they've been pretty decent in La Liga as well they really had nothing to fight for in the last game of the season here but uh, yeah you know Champions League football for them is going to be really crazy I mean they are certainly kings of the Europa League they will look to finish third in their group as always but um yeah from the from the position that they were in uh, at the start of the season or albeit until January February they they're really asking for a lot of help and you know this Europa League victory have re- has really reignited the spirits i would i must believe and uh, you know good ac- acquisitions in the summer it would really help them if they have got a good goalkeeper they've got decent experienced options in the midfield like Fernando like Ivan Rakitic like Juan Vardan is still there you've got Jesus Nava still playing at right back so you've got good options there I think you need some good backup you need some good fresh faces in the front areas as well so that you can have a good season next time around finish fourth or something like that see to it where, where it takes you but until then I think they've done a very good job and congratulations to Sevilla for that victory over Roma in the Europa League final so in the FA Cup final, we had Manchester United and Manchester City. It's a Manchester derby for the first time in a final of a major cup competition. This was at Wembley and it ended in a 2-1 result for Manchester City. A step closer now to the treble. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great result for them. They, played, they didn't play that well, actually. I thought Man United were really good. I won't say they were better than City, but they were very good. They executed their game plan pretty well. Apart from, you know, Christian Eriksen playing in that midfield because, you know, he really didn't have any impact. I think this was not the game for Eriksen to play, but yet he still played. Uh, I thought the game plan from City was very good. It was the same back, it's the same eleven which will start in the Champions League final in a week's time uh, for Pep Guardiola. Apart from uh, Ederson, of, uh, apart from Ortega, of course. But the game started very frantically. It was, what, 15 seconds and Gundogan scored that amazing goal. I would never, never know why uh, David De Gea did not die for it, but I think he was blindsided anyways. I don't know, but, you know, what a goal that was from... Uh, uh, what a goal that was from uh, Elkay Gundogan. And he's been amazing for Man City this season. It, there are talks going on for him to extend his contract at Man City, so a potential move to Barcelona might just be around in the clouds for now but yeah right now I think um, the, the game was absolutely well balanced in many ways I thought the way City played was uh, was, was pretty good in, in many ways in the first half they had some good chances they played they rotated the ball very well um, I thought United defended for majority of the time without the ball the structure of United was very good they played a proper 4-4-2 in a diamond where you know you had more players concentrated centrally with Rashford pressing just just Rashford pressing and then you've got five players in the midfield who are trying to overload in that central area and all the space was vacated wide where you know you had Grealish on the ball along for a long time you had guys like um, Bernardo on the on the ball for a long time Obviously, I would have to touch upon John Stones, who had an amazing game again, and he's again proving out to be one of the best central midfielders in the in in, in Europe right now. And that's what coaching does. I mean, Guardiola is a very very good coach. As I've said this before as well, he's eclipsed a lot of players, a lot of managers in terms of just his normal coaching and what he does 
to players, develops players so well. I mean, you look at it from his Barcelona days and now, I mean, guys like Busquets, guys like, I mean, yeah, Busquets came into his own. That's the best example that I can give. Likes of uh, in, in Bayern Munich as well, with Josef Kimmich being so versatile and all these other things. So he, he knows what to do with these players and it's <clears throat> such an amazing job that he's done. It's really commendable. And then you go out and see what the results that they produce. And then again, Erling Haaland, people again trying to ask me that Erling Haaland uh, is not playing really well. He's not scoring goals even in Madrid or against Madrid. He was, he was very quiet. But the thing is that Erling Haaland commands presence and he does command presence from, from, his, from the opposition centre-backs and he pushes the team, pushes the opposition back and creates space behind him for the guys like De Bruyne, guys like Gundogan to operate, guys like Bernardo Silva and Grealish to make runs from uh, the wide, <coughs> wide areas and uh, also for the midfielders like Rodri and uh, Stones to have a crack from distance. So there are things that he does without touching the ball and he is a guy who impacts the play without being in the scene for a long time. But that is the reason why people really have to fear guys like uh, Erling Haaland, a team like City anyways. Um, but then, you know, United got a penalty. It was a bit of a lucky penalty, but a legitimate penalty. The ball grazed the fingers of uh, Jack Grealish, who was again seen complaining. I mean, he's someone who I absolutely hate when he complains, just like Bruno Fernandes. But then again... Fernandez stepped up, got Ortega to the other side. One uh, one one. It was going into half time, and then again, very very early in the second half, outside what five or six minutes later, Gundogan scored again. Then it was more about game management from City. They brought in some substitutions as well, like Phil Foden and the others. Um, it was good management, and then came uh, the chance for Scott McTominay where he should have put it away, but he didn't, and United lost the FA Cup final. So everything. That he promised Eric Ten Hag uh, after that final game against I don't I don't remember who it was but all that he promised it's all gone down to the drug I think it was Fulham so it, it's all gone down to the dustbin so now what is um, uh, what is Manchester United going to do United are linked linked with a move for a striker and they're looking for options they are looking for guys like Gonzalo Hamsh from Benfica they're looking for. Uh, someone like a Randall Colomani from Eintracht Frankfurt, but he won't come for he won't come for cheap. He, there will have to be a big price paid there. Um, we, I, I still think you know there is room for a striker there. They need a striker. I don't think Val Vegors is going to play. I mean, Vegors did feature in his final game in the FA Cup final for them. He is reportedly linked with a move to Everton. I don't know how that makes sense, but yeah, of course, Sean Dyche, and you know it makes sense for someone to have. Uh, him as a seven-foot striker and, you know, lumping balls in the box. That's how it is with Sean Dyche. But anyways, now, we talk about Man United and there are still things to be done. There are still things that needs to be sorted out and uh, I think they will need a winger as well. I'm fed up of watching Anthony and Sancho. Um, I think you need to give more regular minutes to Alejandro Garnacho because he really is the real deal. Um, I would like to see some new faces in the midfield as well. The likes of Marcel Zabitzer really should stay in this get uh, in this team. He should get some good players as well, good ball playing players uh, in the team as well. Eric Ten Hag. Um, I don't know whom they're going to get, but Zabitzer I think should stay. Um, Fernandez will be there. Eriksen will be there. Casemiro will be there. Fred would be there. McTominay is linked with the move to Newcastle, so we'll see how that works out for him. 
Um, but yeah, you know, that's it for Man, City, for Man United. But as for Man City, the big focus is now going to be the Champions League. They crave for this title. They are going to play in the Champions League now. Uh, Inter have won the game this weekend in the Serie A. So it's all down to Man City and how they cope up with uh, the next uh, in the next game uh, against Inter. It's going to be tough. It's a 50-50 game. It's a one-off game. So it always will be a 50-50 battle. They're going to come up against a very, very good defensively drilled team with the likes of Brozovic sitting in front of that back three of Darmiana, Cherby and Bastoni. I mean, I'd still have, I mean, I don't know what the status is for Milan Skriniar, but I hope that he plays instead of Darmian. But anyways, uh, it's going to be really interesting. The battle between uh, um, the battle between Grealish and Dumfries is going to be very interesting as well. Dumfries is not someone like Carvajal who will uh, try to play mind games with him. He's very pacey as well. He's a good right wing back. You've also got Fede Di Marco on one side of the pitch as well. So there, there's a lot to look forward to in this game, I think, for Man City as well. There will be a very good game plan in place, but we'll see what happens, you know, in in Istanbul. It's it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a game that we are all waiting to see. And let's see who wins that game. And that will be the, my next game, which I cover on this podcast. So moving on from London, we move to the capital of Germany in Berlin, where we had the DFB Pokal final between Eintracht Frankfurt and RB Leipzig, where Leipzig have successfully defended the German Cup uh, this time around, and they beat Le- they beat Frankfurt by two goals to nil. I think uh, I, th- I think the, the, the scoreline does not do justice to the game. I think Frankfurt were by far the better team until the first goal went, and it was a very much a fluke goal for Christopher Nkunku, where the ball just pinballed between two players, and then Kevin Trapp was left stranded and helpless on one side of the pitch, on one side of the goal, and the ball nestled into the other side. And after that, I think Leipzig took complete control of the game. So Boslai scored a goal. And of course, you know, he's, as I said, one of my favourite players. Or should I say, my the my favourite player in Germany playing right now. The good news, by the way, for Leipzig is that Danny Olmo will be staying at the club. They're also going to have uh, investments coming in with uh, in sporting terms with the likes of Loya Penda from Lens coming to RB Leipzig they're also looking to get the services of Fabio Carvalho with a buyback clause for Liverpool uh, from I mean that, that that could be a very good acquisition as well they will have to replace Konrad Leimer I mean Javier Schlager is there but I think you need someone else as well I mean Amadou Haidara Javier Schlager you've got Kevin Campbell and all these other guys but I think they need some investment in that central midfield role um You've got Sabos Life, he does not leave. You've got Timo Werner, Andre Silva is going to be there. So there is a lot to look forward to, I think, for RB Leipzig. As I said, this game is very, very good for them as well. They played extremely well. They have been pretty good since that lump that they had across April. And then they've just took off very well. They will be playing in the Champions League again. So that's good, consistent runs in the Champions League every time in the Bundesliga. I would like them to win the Bundesliga someday. I mean, Dortmund, they really can't help themselves, can they? But, you know, it's going to be amazing to see how things pan out for Leipzig next season. Um, I hope for a better seasons for guys like Werner and Silva. But yeah, of course, I need to talk about this game. I think uh, Frankfurt, as I said, for the first 60 minutes was just amazing. They, pl- they played really well. Randall Kolomani was on fire, but he just couldn't finish off his chances. Daichi Kamada had a bunch of chances as well. I think Mario Godza had an amazing game as well. Played some two or three very good through balls towards Kolomani, just couldn't finish as well, as I said. Um, again, Sebastian Roda as well had a very good game uh, in the midfield. 
So I think they had a very, very good game, Frankfurt, but ultimately they could not score goals. Um, as again, uh, I think uh, the second goal just is an symptom that you know the game's lost for Eintracht Frankfurt they just could not overcome that uh, goal that was scored against them the first goal that was scored by Nkunku uh, the second goal I think was a piece of uh, piece of art there from Leipzig the back heel from Soboslai just filthy and then the finish as well was just amazing he's such a naturally gifted player isn't he Soboslai I mean it is what it is now with him I will talk about him as well in the uh, coming segment but as I said you know Sabos like very very good there um, as for Frankfurt as well Oliver Glasner managed his final game that was a DFB Pokal final they're also going to lose Daichi Kamada there is no word as of yet as to if there is any um, team which are full-fledged into going for Randall Kolomani who's had an amazing season this time around for Frankfurt um, there, there's a lot to look forward to, I think, for Frankfurt as well. They're in the Europa League next season or maybe in the Conference League. I have no idea. I think they're in the Conference League with um, Freiburg and Leverkusen in the Europa League. I think one of one between Leverkusen and Frankfurt are in the Europa League and one is the Conference League. I think that's how it is being, uh, it's, it's been placed in the Bundesliga. So we'll have to see how things pan out. But until then, I think it was really an amazing season for Leipzig. As for Frankfurt, they did well to get into the round of 16 of the Champions League, the finals of the DFB Pokal, and to do pretty decent this season in the um, in the Bundesliga as well. Last year, they won the, uh, won the whole damn thing in the Europa League. So, I mean, I think they've managed in terms of law of averages. So, good, good time this for, uh, for, for a team like Frankfurt. But now we move on from Berlin to Portugal, where we had the Tassa de Portugal final between Porto and Braga. And Porto have won the game by two goals to nil here as well. And they reclaimed the Tassa de Portugal. It's a big achievement for a club like Porto again. It's a forgetful campaign in the Champions League, the way they got knocked out against Inter. But now I think they've got themselves back on track. They did extremely well to get Benfica to the final day of the season. To, uh, of, of, of the Liga Portugal but uh, yeah I would say Porto again they need investment I think Sergio Conceição as I said he's an elite manager elite level pragmatist I think if there is there are teams who are looking for a guy like him he, he's going to be a perfect foil for teams like you know Paris Saint-Germain who there are big egos in there he is not someone who would tolerate nonsense he is someone who just straight away banish you out and you know he, he's an amazing person I think yeah he's a bit cocky he's a bit you know arrogant you would re- he's kind of the second coming of Jose Mourinho in many ways in terms of his behavior but you know it is what it is he's done a fantastic job at uh, Porto in many ways domestically and in Europe as well consistent runs in the knockout of the Champions League so that's very good signs as well so I would not get have him pass him to have a good season next time around if he stays at Porto. I think he could have been a very good option for Tottenham to get into the job, but I don't think he will manage a team which is not fighting for the is not in the Champions League. I think he'd rather stay at Porto. Um, but yeah, I think they have had a very good season. Not had a very good season if you look at Benfica. They did what they had to do to win the league, but I think the Tassa de Portugal belongs to Porto. But anyways, they have also got some news regarding, regarding Porto. Vanderson Galeno, who's been very, very good on the left wing this year around for Porto, is linked with the move abroad. You also have got links 
to certain players and one of the prominent ones of them is Diogo Costa the goalkeeper who's an amazing goalkeeper is one of my favorite goalkeepers in the world right now he's so good with the ball at his feet you know some of the goals that uh, were created against the teams like Bayer Leverkusen in the uh, Champions League this season uh, in the group stage you know with those long balls played by him he is really good with the ball at his feet and he's a good shot stopper as well. He's a bit short in terms of the normal size of the goalkeeper, but he's very, very good. And for a team like United, you could have him. If you're a team like Bayern Munich and if you just want to Jan Sommer for a short-term fix, if you're looking for the future, maybe for the next eight to ten years, you can target someone like a, you know, Diogo Costa. I mean, he, he is that good, in my opinion. I mean... I don't know if there is any other option there for him. I mean, Newcastle already have a goalkeeper, Chelsea maybe. But I'd rather have him stay at Porto rather than going to Chelsea. I mean, there is a seat vacant at Tottenham with Hugo Lloris leaving the club. I mean, there there are many options, but I don't know which he which one he chooses. But for the best, I think um, uh, I think the best happens with him. I think uh, all the best for him. But I think he's one of my favourite goalkeepers. And he's done really well. But yeah, by the way... You have to say congratulations to Porto for winning the Taza de Portugal. That's, uh, that's where I draw the line there. So now let's move on to Spain in La Liga at the Santiago Bernabeu in Madrid where Real Madrid took on Athletic Club de Bilbao which was their final game for both these clubs. Uh, a very you know forgetful season in many ways for Real Madrid came to an end and the careers of a few players at Real Madrid came to an end notably the legendary career of Karim Benzema and also a very, very good career for Marco Asensio. We also said goodbye to Mariano Diaz, who's, who's been at the club. He's, you know, it's a very, uh, it's, it's a very good stat there but that uh, Mariano Diaz has had more trophies than he scored goals for Real Madrid. That's a very interesting stat. And also uh, Eden Hazard and Real Madrid mutually agreed to terminate their uh, uh, terminate Hazard's contract at Real Madrid so he won't be there for his last season according to the contract that he signed in 2019 so you know a very emotional day for everyone there especially for Karim Benzema and Marco Asensio have been so very good servants for the club especially Karim Benzema I mean 14 years at the club um I mean, amazing, amazing servant. What a player he has been. The second highest goal scorer for Real Madrid in their history. And, you know, people really don't, you know, see with their eyes what Karim Benzema has done for Real Madrid. Because to play at Real Madrid for 14 years as a front man, and you're starting for the majority of those 14 years, or not the majority, almost for 12 of those 14 years, you have to be special, you have to be consistent, you have to be productive enough. And to be honest, Karim Benzema has been everything. He, he's just been an amazing servant for Real Madrid. And I just can't thank him enough for what he's given me as a Real Madrid fan. Um, I mean, I started being a Real Madrid fan from that summer when he was signed, Xabi Alonso was signed, Kaká Cristiano was signed, all these other guys were signed. Ozil was signed as well. So I started following Real Madrid as a, as a fan from that sort of time. And he's been there for, uh, through this journey. He's been there with Pellegrini, with Mourinho, with uh, Ancelotti, Zidane, and all those, and that terrible year with Solari and uh, Lopetegui. And then Zidane came back again, and now again with Ancelotti. He's been such an amazing player 
for Real Madrid to thick through thick and thin. That's what it's called. But yeah, uh, amazing servant. What a career he's had. Um, and he's going to move on to Saudi Arabia to Al Ittihad or something like that. Al Jeddah. I don't know what club it is going to be, but. You know, he's earned the right to take the decision. I thought he had one more year in him. You know, you could have groomed someone like an Alvaro Rodriguez alongside Karim Benzema for the next year because, um, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about all the other things. But for now, I think it would have made sense for Real Madrid to actually have someone like a Karim Benzema for another year because, I mean, 2024, you've... You can see the guys like Nacho, Lucas Vasquez, Carvajal's contract will be running out in 2024. Uh, Modric, Cruz, Benzema, all these other guys you can wave goodbye to and start a new cycle fresh. But that's not the case. Um, Benzema's moving on. And, you know, it's been a very, very good time. You know, Benzema can look at this time very fondly. He can look at this, uh, look at this season as well as... You know, I mean, he was marred by injuries for the majority of the season, but still, he's come out strong. He's he's scored all those goals. He scored thirty five goals at the age of thirty five, and he's again had a very very good time at Real Madrid in spite of those injuries. He scored against Chelsea. He scored against Liverpool in the Champions League as well. Yeah, he was not there for Man City games, and I would still say that a fit Karim Benzema and Real Madrid could have won the first leg at the Santiago Bernabeu. But, you know, anyways, um, what a career, what an amazing player he has been for Real Madrid. Even through those years when Cristiano was the main man, he was the guy to play as the foil for Cristiano. Did the dirty work, did the hard yards for Cristiano. Now when Cristiano moved off, moved on to, moved on to Juventus, he took, he took the bait into himself. He took the mantle of being the main man and being the guy who solves problems for, the, for others. He was the guy who was the torchbearer for guys like Rodrigo, for guys like Vinicius Jr. to get into their own at Real Madrid. So, you know, you, you, you just can't see, you know, what he has done for this club. If you just are watching Champions League football, you're not following Real Madrid. He's, his contribution to this club has been invaluable. You know, guys like Mourinho, guys like Zidane, like Ancelotti, why do they wax lyricals about this guy? He, they, they know they saw something very special in this one, and he has been an amazing, amazing footballer. I mean, if you look at a guy like him, you know, he is not like your proper centre-forwards of uh, this generation, like the Cavani's, like the Lewandowski's. He's not those kind of guys. He's not even like Harry Kane, and people thinking that like Harry Kane is going to be the next... Uh, Karim Benzema. No, he's not like Harry Kane. Harry Kane works in that system at Tottenham in a counter-attacking way. He drops down deep, he takes touches, yeah, but he's not close. I think Harry Kane is more close to Robert Lewandowski than he's close to Karim Benzema, but Karim Benzema is a completely different striker. I think um, his touches, his passing, his movement, his intricate movement around the box, he is someone who, you know, you'd never know when he's going to ghost inside the box. He's very difficult to mark. Harry Kane, you can mark Harry Kane, but you can't really mark Karim Benzema. I mean, he's got different traits to himself. He's such a special striker. He was a very, very good striker. Even when he used to play for Lyon, he, he, you could see in his clips, if you, I mean, if guys who haven't been uh, fortunate enough to see his Lyon days, I mean, you could go out there on YouTube and see the compilation videos of how good a striker he was, how good a player he was with all those guys at Lyon, like 
uh, Juninho, Pernambucan, and all those other guys. He used to be a very, very good player back then as well, but he changed. The, he, he's a guy who's very adaptable, and he changed his game when he came to Real Madrid, changed the way he used to play and all these other things. And, you know, you can't thank him enough as a Real Madrid fan. You can't thank him enough for the season that he had last time around when we won the Champions League and the league and the La Liga. So... I think you know it's it's been it's been a pleasure. It's been such a privilege to see Karim Benzema wear the Real Madrid shirt for fourteen years, and all those idiots who speak for the English television, thinking that you know he's he's been at the level of the likes of Kane for the last one or two years. I mean, I'm talking about Michael Richards, who's such an ass pundit. I mean, really, he is. He at the level of I I don't know what the level of Harry Kane is. I mean, if you're talking with a Man City perspective, I don't know what the level of Harry Kane is. But to play for Real Madrid. For 14 years, that takes that takes a serious world-class talent to do that, and a serious commitment and a serious dedication towards your fitness, towards everything. It takes a lot of values to put into a training session for someone to play for 14 years at Real Madrid. It does not happen just that, just like that. I mean, I mean, people who who have history with Man City would really really don't understand that because you know he's played for Real Madrid. He, his history at Real Madrid is much as you know Man City's history, uh, 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 Man City's heritage from where they've been brought up by um, Sheikh Mansour and all those guys. But yeah, anyways, enough of Man City. But yeah, again, talking about Benzema, um, as I said, he could have had another year, but he's decided to move on, and I think that's, I think that's in in a way, it's a very good move because he's scored all those goals in spite of being injured. So you would he would think that you know his body's taken a lot to endure and you know next season in, instead of being criticized instead of being under the pump for a long time he just vacates his seat and it's 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 all open for anyone who can take it so off he goes and so does Marco Asensio who uh, he, who was sort of going to be a pro. Uh, a prodigy or sort of going to be a next star at Real Madrid just could not materialize into it. The first season that he had at Real Madrid was just amazing. Scored in the Champions League final as well. Scored all those amazing goals, uh, even uh, against Barcelona in the in the in the Camp Nou. Scored all those long range kicks. Um, scored against Sevilla in the uh, Super Cup. That was an amazing goal as well. So he had that brilliant season, you know, fantastic run in the Champions League as well, where he scored, as I said, in the final, he scored against uh, Bayern as well in the quarterfinals uh, at the Santiago Bernabeu. So he had those good moments, but after the 2018 season, once Zidane left, you know, he had, the role was sort of diminishing from it, although he had a massive injury, you know, a very freak injury, uh, where I think his form really, and clearly it dipped, um, but then again, he came uh, back uh, for Santiago Solari. He was a regular starter. Uh, not not a regular starter, but he was used to come off the bench. But in the end, you know, he came and scored against Ajax as well, home and away in the Champions League game, where Real Madrid were knocked out by three goals to five. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Asensio has been an amazing servant. He's been there whenever called upon. Always hasn't gone up to the way a fan would like, as uh, like me, but... You know he's been there. He's he's been a very very good servant for the club. Now he will be moving on to Paris Saint Germain, where I think you know a club like Paris Saint Germain could really use him as a starter. When you've got players like Mbappe and someone who would play alongside him as a striker, you would have someone like an Asensio to play 
on that right wing. You could give him a little bit of um, a tactical nous in it. And then you can ask him to do whatever he likes because he would work hard for your club. That's something that, you know, Paris Saint-Germain really don't have. So and you can use smartly someone like an Asensio. You could have him play in a very peculiar way that could suit your club. He's moving on to Paris Saint-Germain. I think that will be a thing to look forward to. He's The, the episode of Real Madrid is done for him. Uh, massive uh, uh, wishes. Good luck to him for his future endeavours at Paris Saint-Germain. Um, and then um, I would like to think uh, after this, Mariano Diaz. I mean, the... Uh, uh, the, the uh, well, what you'd say, the adventure at Real Madrid has uh, come to an end, and you know it's it's not been a smooth ride. It's not been a pleasure watching him. Anyways, uh, I would say the uh, uh, I'd say the best moment for uh, for him at the club was, of course, the uh, the the goal against Barcelona in the Camp Nou, where he actually was brought off the bench and he did score in that game as well. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I would say that was that was probably his highlight for Real for Madrid. Apart from that, there's nothing much to talk about. So is the case with uh, Eden Hazard as well, where, I mean, the less said about it, the better. You would, you would argue that uh, he was one of the best players in the Premier League when he left Chelsea that season under Maurizio Sarri, where they won the Europa League. He was, he was just amazing in that season, even in Europe and also in the Premier League, where... Chelsea finished in Champions League places. Then you know the, there was a transfer ban for Chelsea, but you know we're not, we're not talking about Chelsea. Um, it all came down to this, you know, amazing player who was dazzling in the Premier League. Made his you know historic move to Real Madrid on a very very big fee. Uh, signed for the club, the club of his dreams, as well as he used to say. Played for a manager who he idolized as growing up as a kid, Zinedine Zidane. But you know everything came downhill. A lot has to do with the injury that he picked up uh, from the tackle of Thomas Bounier uh, in that game against Paris Saint Germain. How ironical, you know, a Belgium. It was his Belgium colleague. But anyways, that those things happen. But you know, a lot has to go down to him as well. Turning out overweight for the start of the season, for the for the first season at your dream club. So that's. That's inexcusable, and I would say you know a lot has to go down to him as well. And then you know the career is completely um, took turn for the worst. And I think now maybe move away to Belgium, or maybe you can play for Lille. I mean they are in the they are in the Conference League next season. I mean Paulo Fonseca has done a very good job there. Maybe you want to go back there and see what can happen for you. Uh, you've already done what you can do at Real Madrid. I mean. You've got a Champions League. Uh, you've completed football, by the way, at Real Madrid. You've won the Europa League and the Premier League at Chelsea. Maybe you want to go back and see if you can win another league on title, you know, uh, at Lille. So, see, I, I don't know what can happen, but, you know, maybe go to a club like Anderlecht or um, somewhere else. I mean, there's, there's still hope for Eden Hazard if, uh, if, you know, if there is any. But, you know, it's, it's, it's been a very, very good time. Uh, in his career, not the times at Real Madrid, but the other games he's played for Chelsea, he's played for Lille. I've followed him closely there as well. So it's been a sad story, and unfortunately, it all came to an end.
at Real Madrid. Maybe he'll retire as well, who knows. But yeah, talking about Real Madrid, there is a massive job of rebuilding to be done. And uh, there are certain names that are linked to the club right now. So by the way, Nacho Fernandez is not going to leave the club. He will be the club captain for next season. Um, I would have liked him to leave the club because it feels bad on a moral point of view. I mean, from a sporting point of view, it makes complete sense for Nacho to stay at Real Madrid. But for me, I think Nacho's given us so much, so much that he deserves a starting spot. And being the captain, you're not guaranteed a starting spot does not sit well with me. For a player like Nacho, who's given me so much, as a fan, I feel bad for him. So I would have thought that going to a club like Inter, where he could have started, given, you know, you know, he's a better player than Matteo Darmian and he's he will be taking the place of Milan Skriniar in that back three. He would have been a very good player to, you know, make that place his own. And I think he would could have fit into that system very well. But it is what it is. Nacho is going to stay at Real Madrid, going to be the club captain. And I hope that he has a good season again. He's always had a good time at Real Madrid, so there's nothing to worry about. I've got no complaints about it, but I just feel bad for him that he won't be playing regular football because he's really earned that right to do so. But yeah, you know, Nacho's going to stay. He'll be the club captain. Um, obviously, the second captain is going to be Luka Modric and Toni Kroos followed by him and then Danny Carvajal or it's going to be Carvajal and then Kroos. I don't know. I think Kroos is more senior. Uh, he, he's, he's a more senior player than uh, Carvajal there. But yeah, talking about all the signings that Real Madrid could make, First of all, they will be signing Fran Garcia. He's going to come to Real Madrid next season. Jude Bellingham, the negotiations with Borussia Dortmund are happening currently. Um, Juni Calafat has been very, very good in terms of pursuing Jude Bellingham. So a massive thanks to him. And then you've got um, the other guys, you know, who have left the front areas. We'll talk about them as well. But... Yeah, talking first talking about the right back situation. The players that you've got are Lucas Vasquez and Alvaro Odriozola and Danny Carvajal. You certainly need someone else there as well. I mean, Nacho can fill up a position there. He can play, play as left back. He can play as centre back as well. No worries, but you, know, you need some investment. Not this season, but maybe next season. I can. I think you can still get another season out of Carvajal. Squeeze out a season out of Carvajal or. Lucas Vasquez will always be there. He'll give his heart and soul to the shirt. We all know that. Um, Centre-backs, you've got Alaba, you've got Militao, you've got Rudiger. Then again, as I said, you've got Nacho, who can play as a full centre-back there as well. So, again, I, I think there is no need there. Left-back, I think Frolan Mundi will leave the club. I don't think he should leave the club. I think he's done very well here. He's won everything there is to win here. And... If he wants to leave the club, I think he should do it for a very, very good club. I think he should be still playing for a club that is in the Champions League. I think he deserves that, at least. Uh, but yeah, I think he's had a very good time at Real Madrid. Uh, moving on from him, I think Fran Garcia will be the starting se- starting left-back at Real Madrid next season. Then you go to central midfield, then there is a plethora of options where you've got Camavinga, Chouameni, Fede Valverde, Toni Kroos, Luka Modric, um, Jude Bellingham when he arrives. So you've got six good options there. Um, and also Brahim Diaz, who will be returning next season. So there's seven if Brahim Diaz wants to play in the midfield or maybe he'll play as a front man. But so six there are already. And you would say it's it's decent. I mean, I mean even Danny Sabaos is there. Sabaos will be staying. So that's a good news as well. 
So it's decent options out there. But then you go on to the front areas and then you've got just Rodrigo and um, Vinicius Jr. And there is an asterisk over Brahim Diaz. So you need to find strikers. You need to find players. You need to find players who can play in that uh, front areas for Real Madrid. One of those guys is being linked to the club is Kai Havertz. And I absolutely hate this idea. Not because Kai Havertz is a bad player. I think he's still 23, if I'm not wrong. And there is a lot of room for improvement. I mean, don't forget that, you know, at Chelsea, even Mo Salah and Kevin De Bruyne were flops. But what happened when they left their clubs, when they went to uh, Italy and Germany, respectively? Then they came back in the Premier League and how well they've done uh, for Liverpool and Man City, respectively, now. So um, there is still room for improvement. I think still the player that we saw at Bayer Leverkusen under Peter Bosch was very, very good. But, you know, at Chelsea, things haven't really worked out for him. He does not know what his best position is, and so does the club. So does any manager that's gone to Chelsea Football Club. It's been a struggle for him. I do not like the idea for him to get back, uh, to, to go to Real Madrid. I think you've got players who can play centrally there, because you are going to sign someone as a centre-forward, in spite of Kai Havertz coming there. Then you've got Rodrigo who can play centrally. You've got Alvaro who have to groom centrally as well. I think those three guys can still do a good job. I think more than Kai Havertz, you need to get someone. I mean, links are there to Harry Kane and to Victor Os- I mean, not Victor Osimhen. Victor Osimhen is someone who I would preferably choose to play for Real Madrid for the next 10 years. He can do that. He's 24 years of age. He's scoring goals for fun at Napoli. I would have liked him to stay at Napoli as well. But if he's going to move, you know... Better move to a club who would guarantee you success as well. Just like Napoli, that is Real Madrid. So um, I would rather have him play at Real Madrid. I mean, he could be that guy. I mean, he's a hard-working player. He does a lot of uh, the modern number nine things. Presses very harshly. He's done a very good job at Napoli this season as well. He's coming in red-hot form and he better find his mask as well. So... I think Victor Osimhen makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure that Real Madrid are going to go for a number nine. Maybe it's going to be Colomani, maybe Harry Kane, maybe Osimhen, or maybe someone else. But they're going to go for a number nine. And I just hope that it's not Jose Lu or the other other guys from La Liga. I think that's that's just going to be really sickening for me to see. But uh, yeah, uh, that's one. Um, on the right wing, you need to have some... Uh, some investment there as well. I think, you know, if you go for a left-field option for someone like a Nicolas Agnola from Galatasaray, who's had a good season from uh, since moving on from Roma. Um, Galatasaray has also won the, uh, won, the, won the Turkish Championship, so that's good for them. Um, apart from him, I mean, I would have I liked Real Madrid to go for Federico Chiesa, but I just don't think Real Madrid would because... You know, he's had that freak injury and after that, it's, it's, he's been injury prone. That's my only concern. But even after that injury, he was producing goal output. So I won't really say that, you know, he needs to play week in and week out. But I mean, Federico Chiesa could have been a very good option. I really do think so. But I just don't think that it makes sense right now. Um there are many more other options that you can have. I mean, Samuel Chiqueza from Villarreal could be a very good option. Jeremy Pino could be a very good option from Villarreal. Those are some of the players that I really like. But are they going to come to Real Madrid? I really doubt. 
I mean, someone again that I would absolutely love to have at Real Madrid is Dominic Soposlai. I mean, he is amazing. He's an elite level footballer. He's a, really an elite level footballer. I would just hate for him to go and play for a club like, you know, Newcastle or something like that. He signed for Chelsea or something, you know, because, I mean, he could really thrive at Newcastle, but I just think, you know, for a player of his quality, and I've been, I've been following him from the, his Red Bull Salzburg days uh, under, uh, under, under Jesse Marsh, and he, he, he was just so, so good. I think you know he should come to Real Madrid. I think if someone has a brain over there, just just go for uh, someone like a Dominic Sabosla. He's not gonna he's not gonna say I don't want to come here. So just go for him. Let's see where it goes. And you know I know for a fact that Zidane wanted him. And I'm reiterating this for the second time on this podcast. So you know, please go for him. You know, if something does happen, you know, I, I would be really happy. And then again comes the million dollar question of Carlo Ancelotti. I mean, I am in favour of Carlo Ancelotti staying at Real Madrid because I just don't think there is anyone else who can do a job as good as him at Real Madrid in terms of man management and everything. I mean, you can have players who... You can have coaches who are better tactically than Ancelotti, but, you know, in terms of man management, I think he's the best. Uh, but then arises a question of, you know, now that Benzema has left, you've got Kroos and Modric, who are the only veterans who are going to be having a chance to feature in the starting eleven, Maybe they will not anyways. But then you, you, you ask yourself, isn't it good for everyone that Carlo Ancelotti leaves this summer? As much as I hate to say this, I think it makes sense for Carlo Ancelotti to leave this summer and then, you know, get yourself a job at, at, at Brazil. Next year, you're going to have the Copa America, you know, start building a group of players for the World Cup in in, in the United States. So it makes sense, you know, actually, for Ancelotti to leave. I won't read, I'm not in favor of this, but it really makes sense. It does. I mean, I would like to see Ancelotti play his final season at Real Madrid because he's done so much. He's won everything there is to win for Real Madrid in the, in the last two seasons, apart from, of course, the Europa League and the Europa Conference League. But, I mean, it's. It's very tempting for now for Ancelotti to leave. But then again, a question arises. If not Ancelotti, who comes in? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that Nagelsmann is the best choice there. Because I would rather have Nagelsmann go to a club like Napoli. In spite of him, uh, linking him, him being linked to a move to Paris Saint-Germain. That's not the way to uh, go after you've been removed out of a club like Bayern Munich. Go to a club like Napoli where the seat's, seat's empty. You might have a bit of a chest to um, to raise a few signings out there, but apart from that, I just think you know not now at Real Madrid or Paris Saint Germain. So again, I'm a bit conflicted about this. I just think because now that uh, the era era has come to an end with Benzema leaving, especially, I think it's the right time for Ancelotti to leave when no one's actually expecting him to take to take this move. I think from next season you can start a new era because one season you're going into this transitional year. I mean, there is no transition at Real Madrid, let's be honest. You are expected to win everything. But then again, when you're trying to move into that direction, you would say in many ways, Ancelotti would there only be for one year. And it's it's just a very um, crazy old situation that just is not really right but I would say you know 
you have to make a decision. I think the best decision would would be for Ancelotti to move on and take the Brazil job. But if he's still staying, I'm not really pissed about it because that's what I want. But I think the logical thing would have been for Ancelotti to leave. As stupid as it sounds, I think that is the right thing to do. So that's it from me for today's podcast. We will meet each other after the Champions League final. We also have to take a look at what happens in the Conference League final between Fiorentina and West Ham, which is due to take place in a day or, in, in a day or two. So until then, be sure to check into my other podcasts, into my other uh, Instagram and my Twitter handle as well. So I'll keep you posted there. It is weeklypod underscore OTT on Twitter. W-E-E-K-L-Y-P-O-D underscore OTT on Twitter. Be sure to follow me there. I'll be sharing my views around. So until then, you know, it's goodbye from me and we'll meet each other after the Champions League final next Tuesday, that is going to be. Uh, this was a host of Mayuresh Matkar. Thank you very much. Cheerio!